Thanks for joining us for this session. This is the session on evaluation uh, to be run by Professor Janet Clinton. And of course, as, as Janet flagged uh, just a, a few minutes back, this is about measuring what matters and what leaders can do with that. So, Janet, over to you. Great. Thanks, Maxine. Um, as I suggested in the last session, one of the things that uh, I want to do is to really change the narrative. So I want to dive straight in. And, and one of the things in changing the narrative is thinking about that mindset of evaluation that, that our leaders have and our schools have. So let, let me have, I've got a couple of questions that I want to start with for you. Um, and like, like a good educational psychologist, let me challenge you. So what's the one word that comes to mind when I say evaluation? 10 seconds, hold on to that thought, one word. When I think evaluation, I think a couple of things I cheated, two words, which is adaptation and work. Let me go again. How do you feel, literally, how do you feel about the idea of evaluation? What does it evoke? As you can imagine, in my mind, it's whoopee. Yay. Hold on to what you're thinking. Let me ask you another question. Really thinking very practically. What does doing evaluation actually mean for you in your context? in the sense of your work. I want you to hold on to these answers. Just think for a minute. What does the evaluation literally, practically, absolutely mean? For me, it's about work. It's about having an infrastructure to get something done. Sometimes it's about, do I have time? So they're the kinds of things that I want to think on. And um, I guess this leads us to the question of, you know, why, why am I thinking, we absolutely need to evaluate. When I, you know, if I talk to a bunch of evaluators and some um, systems people, generally, why, why do we evaluate? Well, because, as I said before, it's about accountability. It's, it's a desire to understand what works and what doesn't. And, and you, you, it's really hard to argue with that. As a bit of a Pollyanna, I'd probably suggest to you that it is actually about enhancing things. Identifying needs using evidence, developing understanding so we can feedback and create new and restructure. When I work with leaders and educators, and particularly uh, in building capacity around evaluation, and I ask this question, why, why do you evaluate? I want you to see what the common answer is. It's absolutely because we are told to. It is absolutely about compliance. Now, overall, people tell me it's socially desirable to say, well, of course we're going to evaluate. Of course we're going to use all of our assessment information. That's what education is about. But I want, I want to get this to the heart of the mindset here. Also, I want you to think about what happens in your schools when you ask teachers to assess, monitor and evaluate, to report. Is it about compliance generally, or is it about aspiration? So the argument here is we need to change this mindset. Changing mindset, as you can imagine, is really difficult to do. So what it's about, uh, it's about 
taking control very practically. As I suggested before, it's about flipping the coin so that we can change the narrative of evaluation. So it's not we're just doing it because that's what we have to do. We have to do our assessment so we can report, so we can say we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But it's about us as learners, not just leaders, but learners in our space, in our context, and building our own roadmap. Sorry for using the word roadmap, but it's and it's like the journey. It's about being the architect of the system. Now, to do that, it means taking some very, very practical steps. And what what I'm what I often say to people is, I just wish you could see evaluation through my eyes. Evaluation is not a intervention. It is not a literacy or numeracy program that's going to assist our students in their learning. It's the vehicle for all of those things. It's the thing that makes those work. It is a process. So what I want to, I guess, think about is even from a compliance or an accountability perspective, as a leader, If we are not using evaluations, if we're not using all of that information and all of that thinking to reset and restructure, if we're not measuring at all, then decisions are really hard to make and the impact is often uh, disastrous. If you think about the way, um, as I said, through my eyes, it's kind of like thinking about the Titanic You can see the iceberg coming, you can see it coming, but we're not getting our measurement correctly and we know what happened there. So what is it really? Well, you know, let's focus on it. Well, it actually is making a judgment about the merit of something over time. And it is literally, you do have to collect information. And as you heard from Sandra this morning, That information needs to be reasonably valid. But there are multiple ways of doing it. But what's important, what sits behind this, is the idea that it has to be useful and it has to add value. And you want it to be valid and reliable, but it's got to be feasible to do. And in itself, it does support the notion of accountability. What I know from all the work that I've been doing of late, which is looking at evaluations and the the use of engagement by educators, by a range of discipline areas, what happens when you do actually engage in evaluation? It isn't the Titanic. You can see that my uh, slide for somehow got in the wrong space there. So, no, that's not what happens when you evaluate. It's what happens when you don't evaluate. But what this is where it will help. When you engage in evaluation, it has an, actually has an impact on the things you're doing because you're getting that feedback loop, because you are progressing more towards your goals. And there is actually a causal relationship. We can determine that through the magic of modelling and statistics. Importantly, it actually assists with sustainability. Really important to think about. So, there are, there are a number of key steps that we want you to think about in terms of uh, embracing evaluation. And there are some key things that you can do in terms of the work that you are already doing 
to uh, support embracing evaluation. And that's that mindset. That's where I've been going. Can, can we change the narrative? Improving the planning process, building the capacity within your teams, using the information that you've already got to dictate where you're going and using that evidence to report. So let's have a look. If we think about changing the mindset, there's three things that have to happen here. So number one, that's ensuring that there is some motivation, if you like, to evaluate and build capacity in that space. You, you, no matter what you do, if people don't want to engage, then things will fall by the by. This is an important one, having a sense of autonomy over what's being evaluated. So being told to do NAPLAN and enforcing that on kids, et cetera, without understanding what and why it's there will not add value. But consider if the work that you're doing contributes to the country's view of the whole system, say with numeracy and literacy, for example, then that sense of relatedness would help change that mindset. So if a teacher knows that their classroom assessment is supporting the work heading towards the school's overview of impact in the numeracy and literacy area, for example, then the teachers are more inclined to engage and put effort into understanding the worth of the assessment or the evaluation. Let's have a little closer look. So what we're talking about is getting our leaders and our teachers to have this insatiable desire to get evidence to think about how they're going as opposed to avoiding it. The way to do this is to embed it in the work that you're already doing. And I think that's the critical component. Most leaders are already evaluators in their own right. What I'm suggesting is if we can start at the beginning, embed it right from the beginning, and it's not an end game, then evaluation will have a greater impact. Let's think about that for a minute. What I suggested is building capacity or having this capacity is all about doing the planning. So schools, teachers, leaders are the best planners and organisers we know. So from our my perspective, one of the important things is considering how do you add a dose of evaluation, and Sandra would like this, assessment and monitoring to that planning. So you're asking questions. So who's the goals for? What are we doing this for? Why are we doing it? How's implementation going to work? How am I going to know if the implementation is the right amount and it's quality implementation? How am I going to know if I'm on track? So it's asking those questions along the way. I use a program logic. Some of you would have already seen this. And I think that's the important thing. How are you going to know these things? Asking these questions at the beginning and systematically using your planning. Some people use mind maps, which are great. It is a puzzle. I get it. So it's thinking about how am I going to articulate the plan and the questions that sit alongside that. So there's a number of ways you can do it. A simple suggestion is to articulate the plan, not just in AI, uh, 
you know, individual implementation plans or your annual plans with just those lists, but actually mapping it out in a systematic way. That's number one. When you're planning, you've got to think about where it fits in the whole system. So who are you trying to impact here? And we all know the, the educational ecosystem. So as I was suggesting, for a teacher who's involved in, say, needing to increase uh, their students' uh, writing skills at whatever level that is. Now, what are they doing in that space for the student? What's actually happening in that whole classroom? How does that fit? Now, what we want to see is the information that's happening at the point of implementation is taken all the way up so that we as a whole country absolutely know how all of us are working in the writing space. All of our students are working. So it's about thinking about the who, but when you're planning, it's also about thinking about the order of impact, time, and dare I say the level of difficulty that you might have in your context. Think about the FISO uh, framework in Victoria, for example, that says we're going to improve numeracy and literacy, particularly literacy for all our students. What if you're in a school where your literacy levels are incredibly low? It's not going to happen in a year. So what are the steps that you have to take? I worked with a school recently where they wanted to increase their numeracy levels because they were incredibly low compared to schools like them. They actually put in place a literacy program first and almost numeracy was business as usual simply because they needed to get the language of numeracy, get their literacy scores up before they could attack this. But it was a part of an ongoing strategy. Now, that school is doing incredibly well on their journey because one of the things that they thought about is how am I going to report this at the end? What am I doing? And what they've been able to use is something like a life course model where they've been able to say to the Victorian department, yes, we are underscoring in our numeracy scores, but we can't get there until we work with our literacy scores. So here's the plan. But along the way, what they've been able to do is think about how that's implementing. And rather than saying our literacy scores haven't changed over the year, what they've done is said um, our scores in reading have moved up. This is how it relates to what we're doing in terms of numeracy. This is what our teachers have done in terms of developing attitudes and knowledge around numeracy and literacy. So they're, they're kind of just using this timed approach. And instead of saying, I have to change my scores in one year, what they're doing is saying, it's going to take us three to five years to move to this level. But along the way, here's our successes. That's been an important change in the mindset and the planning in that school. I want to focus just a little bit on implementation. So some of the greatest ideas that we have for by the by, because we don't do enough of it. For example, a half an hour a week of a child reading, a student reading, or a 
um, half an hour of professional learning for a teacher is not going to bring about massive changes. You've got to think realistically about the dosage. You've got to think about the quality of the implementation, what is actually happening. What, what we're suggesting here is you actually monitor that through simple things, asking the teachers about how many, um, how the program went um, at a staff meeting, how many did we get, how many lessons did we get through, noting it down. These are the kinds of things you do normally, but taking the time to articulate and record and use that over the time will make a difference. What's important here is monitoring implementation so you've got a narrative to tell. Uh, again, in terms of planning, one of the things that we use, I use it at university level, but I also use it with schools. In terms of the monitoring of what are the plans we want, it's thinking through what, what am I trying to do? What is success actually going to look like? How am I going to do it? How much of it am I going to do? How what kind of measures do I need to think about? Am I going to use exit tickets? Am I just going to talk to people? Am I going to ask people? And how will I know when I've got success? This is a really important fact. Again, it's systematically putting simple things in place, underpinning the work that you're already doing. Let's go a little further. This is my point when I talk to uh, Sandra, for example, Sandra Milligan, thinking about the new metrics. This is more data. We are awash with data. I want you to focus on your school for a minute. Focus on the school level and classroom level. Think about all the information that you have, from school reports to school and community data, your school survey data, panorama or spot if you're using any of those kinds of things, school reviews, all the existing surveys. It sits there. We do not use it. This is your opportunity to take hold of that data and make a narrative around it. And instead of having that forced on you, you create the narrative using your data. It's already there. It's not you need to add on more. I always say, please, no more assessments. Use what you've got. Use it and embed it within your teaching and learning. So these are the critical things. And, of course, evaluation, judgment or not, does not exist, is not worthwhile, is a complete and utter waste of time unless you use the information. Now, what's interesting is we know that if you actually display assessment and evaluation information, it is actually a motivator to get students, teachers and schools engaged in more inquiry and more thinking and setting the challenges going forward. So it's about understanding that tracking, that moving and not saying um, I didn't make it. It's about thinking of things as a challenge and how you're going to redress and reset and move forward. So things don't actually fail. They just progress. We do it with our students in terms of learning progressions. We do it with our students. This is the journey they're on. This is how we'll go. We need to adopt that learner mentality. So what I'm saying to you is you're already evaluators. Being systematic 
and turning around that notion of compliance and taking some simple steps, being systematically engaged in gathering the information along the way so it's not an add-on, means that you've got the evidence, dest I say the ammunition, to create a narrative that you can take forward. And this, for me, is what evaluation is all about. It's why it's the vehicle of change, because it travels with you. On that note, Maxine, I'm going to stop. Jenna, thanks so much. That's